Good afternoon, everybody. It's Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, December 27th, the last Sunday of 2020. Um, I'm using a little bit of a different system here as far as recording. So if anything doesn't sound right or you have trouble hearing, please comment and I will do what I can to fix it. Uh, I had to make a couple changes to try to uh, make it easier and increase improve the quality as far as uh, the video recording and the audio. So hopefully everything sounds okay. Like I said, today's the last Sunday of 2020 and uh, what an amazing year it's been. And like I mentioned last week, uh, some of these sermons, Easter, Christmas, the last sermon of the year, it seems like uh, whenever they come up, I go back through the previous years. I like to look at my notes, see what I talked about previously, and see what I want to add for the current year. And just like the Christmas sermon, I was looking at the sermon from last year, and I wanted to go ahead and preach the same sermon that I preached last year because I think it's very pertinent and it's extremely interesting when I look at what I was thinking about last year at this time, and then considering what's happened over this over the uh, year of 2020. So I think this will be an interesting sermon, and hopefully it'll help us uh, get the proper mindset and the pro proper perspective as we go into 2021. So let's pray, and we will get into today's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this awesome blessing that we can gather here uh, every Sunday online, that we can... Uh, fellowship even at a distance uh, through this technology that if used properly is a great blessing. And Lord, this is the last Sunday, the last time that we will gather online together this year. And we are moving into a year that has uh, a lot of question marks around it. Uh, we don't know who the president of our country is going to end up being. Uh, we've had some uh, incredible revelations made uh, to us as a country over the preceding year. And many have had their eyes opened uh, to more of the truth that we really are in a struggle against good and evil, against uh, the forces that Jesus Christ represents and that he empowers and the opposing forces seeking to stop uh, the forwarding of the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just ask that you would bless this message, that you'd open the hearts and the minds and the spirits uh, to each person that hears it, that you would do a mighty work through it, and that you would most of all be glorified by it. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, the title of the message today is Do Not Be Conformed to This World. And the ministry verse for our ministry and our church is Romans 12, 2, uh, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that by test, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? And uh, it still fascinates me that when this ministry was starting so many years ago, uh, that I chose this verse not realizing how valid and pertinent and applicable it would be uh, as the years went by and how incredibly important it is for us to understand what it really means to not be conformed to this world to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, uh, to what it is, to what it means to truly test the spirits and test everything that we uh, hear and we come across and we're presented with in this life. 
on this planet. And I think it's going to be an extremely important thing for us to understand clearly in the year that we're moving into. So like I said, I took my notes from last year because it was fascinating uh, to think of what I was considering last year as I was preparing the sermon, having no idea how the world would be turned on its head in just a few short months. Uh, by March, the world was already uh, just moving into a time of chaos and confusion and and just in ignorance. Um, and we're seeing the fruit of that now. And uh, like I said before, I think for Christians, we're living in a fascinating time. The Lord will bless us and strengthen us, um, but we do have a duty to follow him and to seek to know him more fully and to grasp his word more completely. So now more than ever, it's important that every Christian spend as much time as you can in the word, in prayer, in Christian fellowship, seeking to understand how to look at this world from a biblical perspective and through the eyes of Christ. And hopefully this year will help us to do that. My opening statement last year was, we live in a confusing and insane time. What might the coming decade be like for us as a church, ministry, families, and individuals? And wow, how much more important has that question become over the last nine or 10 months uh, since, since this whole COVID hoax thing came in? in March, and we see the, the tremendous damage that has been done all over the world um, by governments that have just gone out of control with lockdowns and the economic damage that's been done. And now, like I said, for Americans, having it made so clear that our government really is almost completely corrupt, uh, they can't be trusted. And uh, we've just been fed lies for so long that it's what we're seeing is the difficulty that many people are having um, to accept the fact that things are not what they seem. Uh, but again, on the other side of that, uh, for Christians, we expect that the world is of the devil, it says Satan is the prince of this world. We reside in enemy territory and we are living behind enemy lines. So uh, it makes sense that the world would not make sense. And it makes sense that we would be surrounded by lies and that we would uh, be constantly uh, dealing with uh, the job or the duty of trying to figure out whether what we're being told is true or false. And again, unless you're in God's word, you're not going to be able to tell that. Unless you truly test the spirits, you're never going to be able to make those distinctions because you will be misled by the world. So Romans 12, 2 is a very important verse to give us a little bit of perspective on how we are to view the world, especially at a time like this, when it's becoming so clear that there is a spiritual battle that is being waged and now being carried out on the physical plane much more vividly. Uh, and these two verses are uh, John 17, 14 through 17, and Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. John 17, 14 through 17 says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Jesus is talking about the church here. He's talking about believers, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus prayed the night before he was uh, arrested, 
put on trial fraudulently, and then suffered and died for the sins of his chosen ones, this is part of the prayer that he prayed in John 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. And he prayed that true believers would be protected from the evil one. But notice that he says in verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Protect them with your truth. So we've got to understand the word of God and strive to grow closer and to be conformed more to the image of Christ through his word. And then Ephesians 6, 11 through 13, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the evil of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. The, the battle that we are seeing, again, is a spiritual battle that is being carried out on the physical realm. And it's being intensified daily in the times in which we live. And we're going to see that more and more clearly, I believe, as we go into 2021 and the months start ticking by. We're going to see much more vivid representations of evil. And we're going to see much more, uh, or I would say more beautiful representations of good, of Christ, in the year 2021. So it's going to be a fascinating uh time as it unfolds to witness what takes place. But you've got to be on the right side of the road on this one. You cannot, you do not want to be outside of Jesus Christ, especially in this time of history, because it will be brutal if you are not grounded in the truth of his word. So again, the, the, the main verse that I'm speaking of today is, is Romans 12, 2. And that is, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I just want to look at this verse part by part because it's very important for us to understand. Do not be conformed to this world. Now, Paul wasn't saying, and Jesus never taught, do your best to get by in the world and only conform as much as you need to to be comfortable and also walk with me. No, this is a command given through divine inspiration from the Apostle Paul to the church. He doesn't say try not to be conformed. He commands it, do not be conformed to this world. And what he's talking about is this world, this age, the spirit of this age, and the spirit of the world. We are not to be conformed to it. We are always striving to be conformed to the image of Christ, and we can only be conformed to the image of Christ, how? If we are abiding in him, if we are abiding in his word, if we are trying to, trying to learn more of who he is through the study of his word. So do not be conformed to this world. If we, truly abide, if we truly abide in Christ and he abides in us, we will not be conformed to this world. And this is a very important thing for us to understand. This command sounds like we're going to be living always in this constant state of turmoil and tension. We're going to be wrestling against the world and striving to walk with Christ. In a way, that's true. But if we truly abide in Christ and he abides in us, we will simply not be conformed to this world. It won't be that much of a struggle 
because through the discernment that we're blessed with through the study of God's word and being conformed to the image of Christ, it will not be difficult for us to not be conformed to, to this world. And really, we're moving into a time where it's actually maybe easier to not be conformed to the world than it's been in the last few decades. And the reason that is, is because everybody that's, that's anybody that's a true Christian cannot argue the fact that the majority of the modern Christian church is apostate. I, I guess probably 90%, and that's a common consensus among many solid biblical pastors and teachers nowadays, is that probably 90% of the professing Christian church, at least in America, is not saved and being led by unsaved pastors. When that's the condition of the church in this world, it's difficult to know often whether you're being conformed to the world or not, because you may see others who are professing to be Christians who are actually of the world, and that can be confusing to the rest of the church. That's why that's so damaging to live in a time of so much apostasy like we live right now. But in the time in which we're moving, in which evil becomes more blatant, in which good becomes more clear and shines forth more brightly, it's easier to see what is of the world and what is of Christ. The contrast is intensified. Now, the flip side of that is, you will have to make a very bold stand for Christ. You will have to give things up. You will have to make sacrifices. You will have to make a stand for, the, for Christ and for the cause of the gospel. But it will be easier, I believe, to discern between what is good and what is evil going forward for those that are truly in Christ. We're going to see a vast majority, like I said, of the professing church just completely even go farther off the deep end than they've already gone. I think that's that's a given. So if we truly abide in Christ and he abides in us, we will not be conformed to this world. Now I want you to look at Matthew 6, 22 through 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So ask yourself this question. Do you reflect light or do you reflect darkness? Is your eye singular and shining forth with the light of Christ? or with the darkness that is Satan of this world? Just a common question that Christians should be asking themselves. It's one of those things I think it's good for us to meditate on in the morning and pray about. I pray that as I, as I go out into the world today, into this darkness and this chaos and this confusion, that I can shine with the light of Christ, that, I, that my nonconformity will not appear to be selfish, but will appear to be from the light and the truth of Christ, you see? And then at the end of the day, to look back over your day and look at the situations you were confronted with, the decisions you made, the people that you uh, came in contact with. Did I shine with the light of Christ or did I reflect the forces of darkness? It's a very easy way to discern our behavior if we look at things in that way. And then you've got to understand, you cannot follow Christ and also follow the world. They move in opposite directions. The world goes one way, Christ goes the other way. That's why it's important to understand that repentance is changing directions. To repent is simply to stop the direction in which you're headed, 
And for an unsafe sinner, that direction is following the forces of evil, following the ways of the world, rejecting God, rejecting his law, rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ, and moving gradually closer to your final destruction. To repent is to completely turn away from that, turn around 180 degrees and follow Christ, who is diametrically opposed to all of that evil. You see? So you cannot follow Christ and follow the world. You cannot serve God and serve money, which is worldly. You see? They're opposing forces. This will be very important, I believe, in the coming year and in the coming years that are not too far ahead especially when it comes to things like money. Because if things keep going the way they are, it's going to very very possibly could be that very soon Christians are faith with, faced with choices such as, if you do this, you will be allowed to do this. I'll give you an example, the, the COVID vaccine. And I'm sorry if I step on people's toes, but I'm going to be talking more about these things in the weeks and months ahead. Um, I don't believe any Christian uh, could agree to allow the state to inject them with something like the COVID vaccine. First of all, because it's not needed. Anybody that's studied this COVID thing at any level will realize that when you've got a virus with a 99.7% survival rate that is cured quickly through hydroxychloroquine and a Z-pack, that you need a vaccine. I just was, uh, somebody just shared with me this morning, their father-in-law, was ex who's an elderly man, has breathing problems, suffering from cancer. He, he contracted COVID-19. Uh, they gave, uh, he had a day where he was really having trouble breathing. He was suffering. The next morning, they were able to give him hydroxychloroquine and a Z-pack. By that evening, he was feeling better, and now he's healed from it. So with that being known, and, I, and I'm from Idaho, and I've heard that our governor, when this whole thing started, um, ordered that hydroxychloroquine be removed from the shelves and it's not available to the public. I haven't verified that yet, but, but other people have told me that they believe that is the case as well. Why would that happen? Because the drug companies, obviously, that, that's another story. There's probably money changing pockets there, but, but I'm speculating on that. But the point I'm making is it's a known fact that these vaccines have aborted fetal tissue in them. It's known that they are an RNA vaccine that affect the human body at the DNA level. And I'm going to get into that in the coming months on how it is extremely concerning from a Christian perspective to be manipulating and trying to change the DNA structure of humans. So you will see as we go forward and we research these things and I share more about the things I uncover and I expose that something like this vaccine cannot be accepted as Christians. Now that sounds okay, but I okay, if I look at it from a personal perspective, in the last year, I've gone and done ministry work in Kenya three times. We have churches there. I'm really hoping that we can get a pastor's training school put together. What happens in a few months, and it's very possible, the countries start claiming, unless you get off the plane with a certificate showing that you have been immunized and accepted the vaccine, you can't enter our country. Take it a step further. What if you can't buy gasoline? What if you can't enter a store without that certificate? This is when these are the things we've got to start thinking about right now. And that may sound insane at this point, but if I went back to this time last year when I was preaching the end of the year sermon, and I would have told people what we had to be aware of coming into 2020, you would have said there's no way that you could talk people all over the world into putting masks over their face when we know that, that, that they don't accomplish anything. 
when when it's when it's when to, to fight a virus that that's not even that dangerous really you see what i'm saying so we really have to start asking ourselves how will i make a stand we need to start praying for strength praying for boldness praying for courage praying that we have the spine and the backbone that we need to stand alone if possible because in christ we're never alone just start thinking about these things. Like, again, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but, you know, when you're a pastor, you got to make a choice. Am I going to tell people what they want to hear or what they need to hear? Am I going to warn or just pat people on the head and make them feel better? We are at a time where people need to be warned and turn and, and to hear what they need to hear and to hopefully wake up because we are in some crazy times. So you cannot follow Christ and you also follow the world. They move in opposite directions. Now let's look at the another section of this verse. <clears throat> so it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, this is a very interesting word. In the Greek, the word is metamorpho or metamorphosis. Do not be metamorphosed. Do not be transformed. And it means a change in outward appearance. And what's interesting about this word is it's the same word in the Greek that's, in, that's used in Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. Let's look at that verse. Uh, verses 1 and 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. In the Greek, it says, and he was metamorpho before them. So what it's telling us is we can be transformed. That same word is used to describe the way that we are transformed through the word of God by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That same word was used to explain the transformation that those apostles witnessed happened to Christ that day. Think of how fascinating that is. That's how radical our transformation should be in Christ. And that's why we should stand in contrast to the world, because we are so transformed. We are so made so different than who we are when we are in our sins and trespasses. We are so contrary to the world that we stand out from it. We shine brightly in the midst of it. That's what we should strive for, especially during these times. Because we're in a time where so many people are depressed. So many people are fearful. So many people are living in ignorance. I've been hearing stories of people that have hardly left their houses in a year because of this COVID thing, because they are just turning on the TV, listening to the lies they've been told, and they're horrified that if they are in contact with other people, they will die. Think of how sad that is. I get so angry when I go to stores and I see these people shuffling around with these masks on and you don't hear, hear, hear anyone talking, no laughter, no smiles. Folks, that is not the way that we are supposed to be in this world. You see, we've got to start pushing back against that. So as Christians, we should display outwardly our inner redeemed natures, the spirit and life and the light of Jesus Christ, we should strive for that to pour out from us, especially during these dark times.
because 2 Corinthians 3.18 gives us a picture of that. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is of the Spirit. If you ever want to see bold examples of this, read about people that have been imprisoned for their faith down through history. Imagine what Daniel probably looked like after spending the night in the lion's den, and he was protected by God. The Holy Spirit kept the lions from harming him. The next day when the king came and realized that Daniel hadn't been killed by the lions, I would suspect that Daniel was probably glowing. Think of Moses. He, when he came down from being in the presence of God, the Israelites could, couldn't even look on him because he was, he was shining with the holiness of God. And I do believe that as we move into darker times, we move closer to what could be the end of times and Christ's return, that the church will shine brighter and brighter, that true biblical Christians will start standing out more visibly in the world and shine more brightly. Uh, Richard Wormbrand, the man that was tortured for his faith under communism, some of his prison guards came to Christ because they couldn't figure out what he was all about, but he shined with the light of Christ. You see? He, 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 he was powerful in the ways of God. He was blessed by the Holy Spirit. And he knew scripture. That's what gave him strength when he was in prison for so long, is he had scripture memorized. So he shined with the light. And those that sought his demise, many of them actually came to Christ because of his example, because of how brightly he shined with the light of Christ. So strive to be that kind of a display for Christ in this world. So it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, what? By the renewal of your mind. Now, this is a really interesting thing for someone that's ever dealt with any kind of sinful addiction. Think of what the mind is like when you're trapped in sin. It's usually a turmoil of guilt, remorse, webs of lies, self-loathing. The mind is an absolute train wreck for those that are trapped in sin. But the mind is transformed and renewed when we strive to be conformed to the image of Christ. And the mind doesn't work like it did before because it's new, it's been renewed, and now it works differently and it begins to work as it was designed to. You see? This is why I've, so, I've said for so long, uh, it's so frustrating when you see for so many years that the Christian church has relied on New Age philosophy and psychology and psychiatry and all these man-made philosophies to try to help people through their problems, where it's like Romans 12, 2 says, you can be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and that's through the Word of God. That's all we need, you see? Have faith in that, and you will overcome anything that you're struggling with. Let's look at a couple of verses that help make my point here. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 and 3, 16. But now you must put them all away. And again, this is a picture of the mind. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You've put off the ways of sin, the old man, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, just contrast what I'm sharing here with what you're witnessing in the world every day right now. 
with what you see, if you're foolish enough to watch mainstream news or the things that, that we see going on in the world, just contrast that with the beauty of what's being shared from God's world right now. And you get a glimpse of what I'm talking about. And that's how our minds change when we are truly in Christ. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And I can tell you from my own experience, when Christ really, really sinks into your heart and he starts giving you that hunger for truth, you cannot get enough of it. You will look forward to the times that you spend in stu prayerful study of his word because you want to gain more knowledge of him. That should be the pursuit of every Christian. Remember Chuck Missler, he always called it the uh, the grand adventure. The, the Christian life is one of adventure because we are literally striving to comprehend more and more of the mind of God. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Praise the Lord. Our minds are renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the study of God's word, meditating on the scriptures, and communing with the Lord in prayer. You can't neglect these things, especially at this day and age, and especially with what's going on in the world. This has got to be your number one priority, I'm telling you, as Christians. Be in the word, be in prayer, study the word, be in fellowship with good, solid Christian people and strive to grow stronger in the Lord. Then it continues, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. And that was what I was alluding to earlier. I think it may be easier for us going forward to start understanding more what the will of God is, because we will see the will of Satan so visibly portrayed in so many ways, even in the coming year. So we need to test everything. And again, you've got to understand, you've got to seek the Lord in truth through his word, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, and not be influenced by what is going on in this world. The reason is the majority of the modern church is the unsaved being led by the unsaved, the blind leading the blind. Therefore, the majority of, of what is put out as Christian is not Christian these days. Test everything, be wise, and be discerning. It's sad, but you can't trust the majority of what passes for Christianity in the mainstream media, on social media. You've got to be responsible for your own spiritual growth and be sure that the people that you are surrounding yourself with are true brothers and sisters in Christ, because there are imposters everywhere. I've heard sayings, I forget exactly, but they say the longer you walk with Christ, the more you walk alone. And that's fine because really all we need to be doing is walking with Christ. But if you've been in ministry for any amount of time, you understand very well what that means. When you first get into ministry, you're excited. You think everything's going to be great. You're going to be surrounded by all these wonderful people who are passionate about the Lord. But if you're truly in gospel ministry and you're truly striving to be in the ministry of reconciliation, which is the only true ministry, and the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the longer you're in ministry, the more people just fall away. 
and you just feel more and more alone. That's just the way it is. It's always been that way. Now, on the flip side of that, those that stay with you and those that God creates a stronger bond with become more and more precious because they are shown to be truly in the Lord and to truly caring about the work that the ministry is doing. So that becomes a huge blessing as ministry continues. I've been extremely blessed in that because I was always sort of the, the bad guy, black sheep in my family. But when the Lord brought me into ministry, now I get to work in ministry with, with members of my family, my parents, my son and, and daughter, my sister and her family. I mean, it's a, that, that's one of the greatest blessings for me is to know that our whole family is engaged in the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even if everybody I've ever depended on fell away, and I still have that, that, that's fine. What an awesome blessing that is. You see? But you got to understand, walking with Christ in this world, sometimes he'll be the only one you're walking with. And in the times in which we're moving into, we've really got to understand that and pray that he gives us the strength to be able to do that. Because like I said, we're getting to the point where Christians are going to have to make a stand or start sacrificing. And that could that might not be too far down the road. I'm going to get into something in the coming week or months about uh, what's called um, social uh, licensing or social grading, where it's what they do in China. And you are given a uh, permissions in society based on the level of grade that you carry. And those grades will be based on, have you had the vaccine? Um, are you uh, of the communist belief system? That would be very good for you in society. Um, are you willing to turn everything over to the state? Are you willing to give up any kind of religious beliefs? The, the, the more you can do things that are completely the opposite of Christianity, the higher your social grade will be and the more freedoms you will have. So obviously, you know what the other side of that is. And again, I'm not trying to be dark. I'm just trying to warn you guys about what we could be facing in not, not too far down the road. So we got to really start thinking of how we're going to uh, negotiate through these times. You see how we're going to move through these things. Very, very important. Let's look at 1 John 4.1 and 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Help make this point. 1 John 4.1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. That was the case then, in the first century church, and it's the case now, it's always been the case. But test everything, hold fast to what is good. This is a very tricky in the modern church because when you test things, people will automatically accuse you of being judgmental. How dare you judge me? Judge not lest you be judged. Well, as Christians, we are to judge. We are to judge whether things are true and according to God's word and according to his will through his word or whether they're not. So that just helps close that point that I've been making. So we know the will of God through his word, and therefore we test everything according to his word. You've got to be knowledgeable of the word of God. Folks, one of the greatest things you can pray for when you start reading your Bible in the morning 
is that the Lord blesses you with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of his word, and he will do it. That's why we read it. And then he says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. And then it says what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the will of God, we're told, is good and acceptable and perfect. So it tells us that we are to strive to live a life that is morally and spiritually pure, that is pleasing to God, not to gain any merits. It's not to earn our salvation. It's simply because we want to live in a way that's pleasing to God. This has nothing to do with salvation. This is the fruit of salvation. We're not earning anything here. We're living in a way that pleases God because we want to please God. But the thing you got to understand here is only Jesus Christ is good and acceptable and perfect. If you're outside of Christ, you will never live in a way that pleases God. The Bible tells us that by faith, other than, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith in Jesus Christ, striving to be conformed to his image, being transformed by the renewing of your mind through the study of the person and the work and the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot be pleasing to God. You can only be pleasing to God when you stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Look at these verses that really, I think, help paint the picture of what I'm talking about here in the perfection and the good and the holiness of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. You cannot see God if you can't see Jesus Christ. If you want to know who God is, you can only do so by knowing who Jesus Christ is. He is the perfect representation of the Father. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes, Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So what it's telling us is every prophecy and promise of Scripture that God has ever made down through history to his chosen elect ones that Jesus came to save, every single promise and prophecy come to fulfillment and the answer, yes, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, because he is the only one that is good, acceptable, and perfect. And then Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. He fulfills every prophecy and he upholds the law perfectly. That's a huge one because when you read through the Old Testament law, you realize how horribly we break God's law. If you just take the Ten Commandments, you realize how condemned we are under the law before God. But Christ set us free from that. And one of the reasons is because he never broke even one iota of God's law. He is the perfect example of God's law carried out fully. That's why he is good and acceptable and perfect. You see? So you cannot do these things outside of Jesus Christ. Again, so in closing, I want to review, this is, this is my ending notes from last year. What might define the 2020s on December 29th, 2029? Now again, last year, that was a very interesting question. This year, it's fascinating. What might define the 2020s on December 29th, 2029? What might, the condition, what might be the condition of the Christian church? Right now, it's a shambles in America. 
A very small percentage of it is even truly the church and saved. Will Christianity still be tolerated, tolerated or will it be mostly illegal? That could be the case by this time next year at the rate we're going. At least in America, if we don't become more bold, more courageous, and more confident in what the Lord calls us to do. Will it be a decade of revival or apostasy? Will it be a decade of revival or apostasy? I think it's going to be both. I think the true church is going to be revived. I think that true remnant, what you call the invisible church, see, we have the visible church. The world sees the visible church. And, and it's sad because when the world sees what they think is Christianity, they think of clowns like Joel Osteen or Bethel or Joyce Myers or whatever. No, the, the invisible, pure church, the true bride of Christ, the body and blood of Christ, I believe is being revived right now. And I think the crises that we're going through and that we will go through in the coming year will continue to sharpen and strengthen and purify the true church and pure believers. And I also believe that at the same time, apostasy will continue to grow like wildfire, like it has for so long in the false church, in the visible church. That, that's my own opinion. What might you look back on personally as a Christian on December 29th, 2029? Now, this is a huge question to ask yourself. If we are truly going into this time of trial and governments are going to continue to use these opportunities that they've been given to completely uh, clamp down on their populations, to take away every right that they possibly can, to crumble the economies, to put a mask on every face that they possibly can, what might you look back on as far as your own Christian walk on December 29th, 2029, at the end of this decade? Will you be able to say, I, 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 I made a stand for Christ. I didn't conform. I did the best I could, and I did it beyond my ability because the Holy Spirit gave me a power beyond my own to do things that I never thought I could do? Or will you look back in shame and regret because you went along with the prince of this world and the spirit of Babylon, which is so powerful right now in the world? You see, very important questions to ask ourselves. Did you grow and mature in the Lord? Did you live sacrificially or did you live selfishly? Did you endure and suffer for the name of Christ or compromise to the world? Did you enter into the harvest, enter into the battlefield, or sit apathetically on the sidelines? This is a big one for me because these people that are so convinced that we're going to have a rapture and then seven years tribulation and then the Lord's going to come back again. One of the reasons that's such a dangerous teaching and it's not found in scripture, it only came around in the late 1800s. The reason it's dangerous is because people often will say, I'm so glad the Lord's going to take us away before things get bad. So they sit on the sidelines. No, the Lord's going to turn return on judgment day. You see, we will go through times of battle. That's what we're entering. Were you on fire for the Lord and his gospel or lukewarm and tepid? Contributing little or nothing in the cause of the gospel or proclaiming it from the rooftops? How do you want to look back on yourself in 10 years? And like I said, this is from last year. At this time next year, how do you want to look back on yourself? What did you accomplish in that year? You see, important questions to consider. 
if things really do go sideways, America ends up in a civil war or whatever, what do you want to sit and share with your grandchildren in 15, 20 years? How you dealt with these times as a Christian. Very important things to consider. And I think one of the verses that helps us have the proper perspective on this is Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Will the treasure you acquire over the next 10 years be corruptible or eternal or even over the next year? And folks, we are going to see earthly treasure failing people like crazy, I believe. Not too far down the road. I heard somebody the other day share with me. They said, you know, when Barack Obama came into office in 2008, we had $8 trillion in debt in America. When he left in 2016, we had $16 trillion in debt. And I believe once they pass this stimulus bill they're working on so they can send all this money to, to, to foreign countries for ridiculous things mostly, we'll be, I think we're going to be at $28 trillion. This economist speculated that at the rate we're going, by the middle of 2021, we could be accumulating a trillion dollars worth of debt a month. And by the end of 21, if we don't turn things around, it could be a, per week. Now, the reason I share that with you is to get across the fact that the money, the treasure of the world is going to fail very rapidly, it appears. So that's why you got to ask yourself, am I going to place my bets on something that's fleeting? Something that's just worthless paper? Something that can't last forever? Or am I going to build my treasure in heaven? Am I going to spend my days and spend this coming year doing works that will accumulate treasure for me in my eternal home? and not this temporary home. Very proper, very important thing to, to consider if you want to have the proper perspective going forward. I'm not saying to go live in a hole. We want to, we want to be as comfortable as we can in this world. But you got to admit, America is obsessed with material prosperity. I mean, one thing that's shocking, when you go spend any time in a third world country, you know, a place like Kenya, uh, where they just they can't buy anything. And then you come back and you just walk through Walmart for a half hour and you realize 95% of the stuff on the shelves is junk that's not needed. You see? And Americans are convinced we have to have it. Just a little picture there between how we should start looking at things. You see? I'm going to close with 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Powerful. Something very important for us to consider as we go into this coming year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen each of us as we move into this new year, that you would bless us with discernment, that you would open our eyes more to your truth, that you would give us all courage and confidence and boldness to proclaim the gospel, and that we would uh, be willing to make a stand 
through whatever is required to do so for the cause of the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray that you would purify your church, that you would uh, expose the chaff, that you would expose uh, the error and the lies that pervade so much of it so that we can see the true bride of Christ uh, more clearly. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thank you for watching today, folks. Um, if you can, please consider donating to the ministry. You just go to the way, the letter R122.org and go to the donate page. Um, the ministry is growing so much online and there's so much that I'd really like to be able to do. But like so many things, it just comes down to uh, do we have the financial means to do so? So if you could, please consider helping us. Uh, 2021 could be just an amazing year for this ministry if we can just get a few more people to really get behind us and help us uh, to the next level and uh, to really help us get this pastor school started in Kenya as soon as possible as well, because I think that's just going to be an, a huge blessing and be so important there as they are just so inundated with false teachings. So please pray about that. If you have any questions, you can email me at chad at the, the chat at the way the letter r122.org and i will answer any of your questions and until next week we just thank you and god bless you and we will be back here same time same place <music>